Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to you all. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. It is Tuesday, February 22nd, 0222-2022. I should have done the show at 222 just to have some fun with it, but I figured that would just be too many twos. In all honesty, thank you so much for tuning into the program. If you were in one of the provinces that had a holiday yesterday, I hope you had a good long weekend. My weekend was, if you are on Twitter a little bit different than I had expected. I ended up being pepper sprayed, which was not what I anticipated happening while doing my job as an independent journalist covering the convoy in Ottawa. Uh, but I got off better than some others did. One a pool photographer got arrested, had the zip ties thrown on him. He was with a well-placed call to his editor, fortunately released. We had Alexa Lavoie from Rebel, who was hit right in the leg with a canister of some kind from police. Uh, I think earlier people thought it was tear gas. Police have now said they didn't use tear gas, but they've admitted they shot something. We also had people that were a hit by horses, as you saw in those famous videos. So it was quite the culmination of a peaceful protest, which was peaceful right up until the point that police moved in to take it down. I'm going to be talking a lot this week about what it was like on the ground, but I, I wanted to, on this show, take a very different approach to this discussion and talk about whether the Freedom Convoy itself is over. Was the Freedom Convoy the protest, which virtually ended on the weekend, or is it a bigger movement here? And I want to bring into the show Tom Marazzo, who was one of the volunteers who has spoken in the capacity of being an organizer. And I, I'm being, uh, in a way, over-descriptive about his title because I want to make sure I, I'm being very precise here. But he had a press conference on Sunday in which he said that uh, many people should just withdraw peacefully. And he said he would be doing that as well. He's not been charged at this point, so far as I can tell, or arrested. And he joins me now, Tom Marazzo, Freedom Convoy volunteer. Thank you for being here today, Tom. I appreciate well, it. Th thank you. Thank you for... Uh you know, always speaking the truth and, um, you know, allowing us to still have a voice, even though we're not in Ottawa right now. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Let me start with the question that I kind of danced around a moment ago, which is basically, what are you? And I, I want to be precise here because this was a grassroots movement. And I, I know we had people that were speaking for the convoy. We had spokespeople. We had organizers who were involved in, in various capacities. But how do you fit into this movement or operationally speaking, how do you fit into the Freedom Convoy? Well, um, you know, it's a great question because I've often wondered how did I get in into the, the center of a tornado, basically. Um, I went to Ottawa as a volunteer. I was I was brought in through friends that were trying to support the convoy as it was traveling through through Ontario. And, um, you know, I got a phone call one day saying, hey, you're you're an ex-military retired guy. Uh, you know, you've got experience with this kind of a logistical type of event can you come to ottawa and give us a hand and you know within i would say three hours i was i was in ottawa and um just really went as a volunteer um and very quickly realized that you know that the truckers themselves didn't have experience with this kind of an event in their lives but it really did lend itself well to to some of my past experiences so that's how I kind of got involved in, in the background, really as a volunteer. And, and what always, experiences are you talking about there? 
Um, so as a, as a retired military guy, uh, I'm a graduate of a course called uh, Army Operations Course. Uh, it's a six-month-long course in, uh, in Kingston, and it, and it deals with operational planning. Uh, so, you know, you're trying to put a, a brigade of your soldiers in a battle space with, say, 5,000, 15, or 10 or 15,000 soldiers of your enemy, um, you know, in an area between, let's say, Niagara and Toronto. Um, so, like, I had experience with that, and I had some experience. I, I played a very, very minor role in the GHG20 Summit in uh, 2010 in, in um, Toronto. I was like a, the nighttime duty officer, but I, you know, I saw and I participated in the exercises building up to that. So, and then just throughout my career, like it, it's just normal kind of um, military logistical type of planning and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I didn't go there with the expectation of, of uh, emerging in any way as a, as a leader, um, but my skill set through the military just seemed to lend itself very compatible with what needed to be done. So that's how I ended up getting there. We joke and say that I was here to hand out soup. From my perspective as a journalist covering it, there were three real phases. There was the the actual convoy phase of all these trucks Mm -hmm. on their way to Ottawa. And I know a lot of that was focused on the group that was coming from out west. But as you noted, we had multiple different convoys. There was a group coming from southwestern Ontario. There was a group coming from the east, from Quebec. And there were just people who showed up on their own that weren't part of these convoys that just said, yeah, I'm a supporter. Some of the first people on the scene didn't arrive with the the big group here. Then there was the block party phase, which was for the first couple of weeks when you just had people there playing music, dancing, worship services, all of this. And then I'd say last weekend was the third phase where it took a, a very different turn. You had police that started to get in there, move very aggressively. I mentioned just in the introduction of the show some of the instances that occurred to independent journalists, but there were yeah. many others uh, of people being uh I, I want to be careful with my language, but people mm-hmm. having what looks on video to be a very unwarranted physical assaults on them from police. Again, you can only get a snapshot of this on film, but this is what I, I've seen here. When did it turn from that second phase to the third phase in your view? Was it with the invocation of the federal emergency or was there another turning point there where this became a very different situation in Ottawa? Well, it, it's very interesting because um, the mayor of Ottawa in the, in the city of Ottawa had a, had a role to play in this. And, um, you know, there was, there was a member of the police services board. Um, she's an Ottawa politician. Um, she, we had watched a, a, a live stream video of the police services board with the, the first chief of police while we were there. And the rhetoric that she was using was incredibly dangerous. Her name is Diane Deans, I believe. Um, the mayor has since tried to remove her from the uh, the police services board. And that was a real big deal because in that week, um, things really started to change because we had worked extremely hard as an organization to relieve some of the pressure on the city of Ottawa. But as a result, what they did is they removed their chief of police for not acting aggressively enough or quickly enough. 
And so that was a really big turning point in, in what we, so, you know, you mentioned those three phases and, I, and we affectionately called them our weekend warriors because those were the people that really honestly on weekends came out and supported. And it was, we, we were also referred to it as, you know, Canada Day 1, Canada Day 2, Canada Day 3. And by the time the fourth one came around, we said, they're not going to let us have a fourth Canada Day. Right. And so when you when you look at the fact that the weekend warriors that showed up, we used that as a protection and we knew that by Sunday afternoon they would they would start taking steps towards us. And as we saw out at the uh, the Coventry site, um, the the weekend warriors had left and Sunday night they, they did the raid on Coventry. And then you could just see that they were angling constantly to build up um, the, the really dialed up the rhetoric and, and started talking about putting all the places in, 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 into play to get violent. So we could see it. We, we could see it coming for, for quite some time. Uh, and I remember telling uh, this police superintendent that I had a meeting with, uh, I think his name is uh, Superintendent Rob Drummond. And I said, you know, we did a video asking people to consider coming to Ottawa. Don't come yet, but consider it. Start thinking about it um, because we believe the police are going to make a move on us. But Justice McLean said we could be here. So there was a lot of mixed messaging there. But really towards the end, uh, we we worked really, really hard. Um, but we felt, I, I personally felt that the mayor of Ottawa was was talking out of both sides of his face. And, um, you know, the, the, the police chief resigned, but we all believe that he got pushed out. It was either resign or we're going to fire you. And then they got a new chief. And then he, after two days said, I don't want no part of that. And then the deputy chief stepped in and he was perfectly comfortable with all the, uh, the violent, uh, rhetoric. So there was a definite turning point. On the note of your discussions with this or with police, I, I want to delve into this, if I may, because we learned that the city of Ottawa had tapped a, a former provincial government chief of staff to Doug Ford, Dean French, to negotiate with the truckers. And as I've understood it, looking back, this was in that period where the truckers and I believe Tamara Leach was the one who had signed the letter, had agreed mm -hmm. to move the trucks into the downtown core. And I think you spoke about this at your press conference yeah. on Sunday. This ended up being thrown into the lurch when the Emergencies Act was invoked. But who was it on the trucker side or on the convoy side that was negotiating or engaging in discussions with police or the city? And, and what were those discussions really doing? What was the scope of them? So, so those discussions, um, the intent of those, like the reason we participated in those discussions is because we constantly tried to work with the Ottawa uh, police in the city of Ottawa to remove as much pressure on the city of Ottawa and the residents as we possibly could. That and to was make it basically we, Parliament Hill and politicians that yes, were getting the yes, brunt of it. Absolutely. So, so the goal was always to have the vehicles up onto Wellington. And then out of any any possible way to interfere with the residents of, of of Ottawa themselves, and we worked really hard, and we tried to get that message across with uh, with the city. And so, you know, there was a there was a frustrating part in there because, um, you know, I received a phone call from from Randy Hillier, um, saying, "Look, Tom, I think you guys need to start dealing with the city to try to get the city." off your off your back a little bit so you can put the pressure where it belongs and in, in, in the uh put it onto the uh, 
uh, parliament. And, and I agreed and I had spoken to several people, but the first call I got about that was, was Randy. Um, so we agreed that that was probably a smart move to try to get the police in the city kind of off our back so that we could just keep the pressure on parliament and stay on the front page of the newspaper to try to get our message across. And we almost got there. We almost got there. We were really, I would say on like the five yard line with the police. And then, uh, last second, the police pulled out. And then after that moment was when we got another conversation with the city and I met with the city manager, this inspector, uh, Rob Drummond <coughs> in, <coughs> excuse me, there was a third person there. I can't remember his name. It was Kim something. And when was this just for this for was, chronological? Um, <coughs> sorry, about an hour after the two letters from the mayor of Ottawa and the, the letter from Tamara had been made public by the city. Okay. So we about were, a week ago. Yeah. We were walking into the meeting, uh, with, <coughs> sorry, I just, I developed this little annoying cough while I was there. It's not a big deal. Yeah, but the Ottawa weather and a few weeks yeah. of time, was there <laughs> you, I think yeah. a lot of dryness in those hotels and, and out on the street and everything. It was really weird. But anyway, um, so we, we were walking into the meeting with the uh, the city manager <coughs> and uh, we learned that this had been released, but my battery died on my phone as I was trying to read the article. And then there was a lot of people saying that we sold out and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, no, this was part of the strategy to try to put the pressure onto the government where it belonged and take it off of the city uh, of Ottawa. So this was all part of the, the thing. And then you know, I was disappointed because immediately after, uh, Randy Hillier had tweeted that that the leadership of the convoy had made a deal with the city and abandoned the truckers. And it's like, you know what? You were the first person that actually called me and said I should be talking to the city. So that was pretty um, that was pretty frustrating. Um, you know, but <coughs> we think that the 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 strategy was very sound to, to be up on parliament but we recognized we recognized from the start that let's say from a tactical point of view and i want to be careful about using words like that um we knew that we were if we had moved up onto parliament up onto wellington we'd be in a more physically vulnerable uh position for the police to move in and we discussed that with the police we said like we recognize that but we're not going to leave the perimeter of ottawa so we had trucks the entire time on the outskirts of town. And we said, if, if you make a move at that point, then, then, you know, we're still here and we're not going to go anywhere. But I think in that original meeting, there was uh, a lot of cool heads that were, were really trying to prevail. But then as soon as that emergency act came out, uh, the OPP had said to me, listen, whatever deals you think you had with the city, they're off the table. This is now under the emergency act. And uh, so the, the chips will fall where they may. So let's talk about that home stretch here, the final few days. And, and I must admit, police moved a lot more quickly than I thought they were going to. And, and I think a big part of that was because the government was able to conscript tow truck drivers who we had seen in the preceding yeah. weeks were not as interested in playing ball with the government. But even mm -hmm. when the Emergencies Act was declared, hold the line was the rallying cry. As Tamara yeah. Leach was arrested, she shouted out on video, hold the line. Yeah. When did that change? from hold the line to you coming out on Sunday and saying, we're calling for a, a peaceful withdrawal. Well, 
we we had a lot of discussion and i can see there was a lot of the truckers um that didn't didn't want to go like they wanted to hold the line uh but but we had discussed we said look and and i and i watched an interview um a few months ago from an australian uh uh, person, uh, uh, it was just a video I watched online, and he had a guest speaker with uh, Ricardo Rossi, I think, a former SAS uh, commander. And he had said, you know, the the people have the power, but the government has the force, and and they ultimately had physical force in 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 violence that they could bring upon us. We were unarmed, we had no defensive weapons. And every day we said that we were a peaceful protest. And I think what you'll see, you know, upon reflection of that is that we were absolutely a peaceful protest and we proved that. Because despite the violence that the police brought to that city, we never reciprocated the violence. Um, I watched myself, uh, a veteran with his beret on and his medals being violently taken to the ground by a group of cops. They swarmed like hyenas. So, you know, it, it, it's an important question for people to understand, but we had a meeting on, on, um, with a lot of the, the, the leadership of the trucks themselves. And we said two things that we are not the government. We're not going to tell people what to do we are going to let the truckers make a decision for themselves whether to stay or to go. And if they chose to go, you know, chin up, shoulders back, head up high, you've done your duty. Uh, if you choose to stay, it's a personal decision that you and your family should make together. But ultimately, what we realized was the government had the force. We, we have some power, but we're no match for um you know the 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 physical violence that the police could bring to us we were just no match and there was no value whatsoever in being used as a as a human punching bag for the police and you've seen the videos you've seen it live andrew you, you were there and and you know what it was like um we were no match for them and all we could do was have our assets frozen and be beaten and arrested um like my bank accounts have all been frozen. Um, I'm not really sure how I'm going to pay my bills. I, I, I think we're okay for now. Um, but I haven't, there's no warrants out for my arrest. I haven't been charged with a crime yet. Um, but the, you know, the banks have, <coughs> sorry, acted on behalf of, of law enforcement because there's no laws that they can touch us until now, now that the Emergencies Act is out. Um, and we'll see what the Senate does, but ultimately we've been punished without due process. And if even the hardest supporters of the COVID mandates um, are, didn't wake up to that fact, then they really need to wake up to the fact that the government now has every intention, because Christian Freeland had said, we have every intention of keeping this power to start going after your assets. If you have wrong think, right? If you don't agree with us, we are going to destroy your life financially. They've gone after me. They've gone after my spouse. They've even sent warning letters to my my ex-wife. Um, Who was, I'm presumed by you bringing her up, was not involved. In nothing to do with it. We've been legally separated. We have a great relationship. We co-parent our, our, our uh, child together. Um, and, and her financial institution got a warning letter about her. 
for money that had nothing to do with me at all. So, you know, they've gone after my, my spouse's credit rating, you know, like it's ridiculous <coughs> to see that without any due process, the government of Canada goes on air and literally brags about the fact that uh, despite the emergencies act, they have every intention of keeping this power. If you don't agree with them, if you have wrong think they're going to come for you. The, the fact that they're going after you who has not been charged, you've avoided what uh, fate awaited Chris Barber and Tamara Leach mm -hmm. thus far. And you, I remember you yeah. said on Sunday that you even asked police specifically Every and they day. said there were no warrants. So yeah. it's not even like you can beat the rap because there is no rap to beat at this point. Yes. Your accounts yes. are frozen and yes. the government has given no measure to really concretely get those things unfrozen publicly, have they privately, the bank or the government told you, do X, Y, Z, and you can get your money back? No, I, I have no idea. So so my spouse has contacted the bank and said, okay, what do we do? We can't even get an appointment until the 3rd of March. <coughs> yeah, there, there's no, you know, pre press yeah. one for small yeah. business, press two for personal, press three if the RCMP has had us freeze your ass. It's not on the bank Listen, menu so far as I can yeah, tell. Yeah, and, and from our understanding, the banks had a choice whether or not to participate in this, and they chose to participate in this. Um, it, but interestingly enough, the banks actually have immunity if they go along with what the government's allowing them to do. Yeah, even so, if they wrongfully target you, if if you if yeah. if you know some Tom Morazzo in Sydney, Nova yes. Scotia, who's never yes. met you, gets his account frozen, yes. he can't sue. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 it's it's just so incredibly bizarre. Um, now, even the mayor of Ottawa is saying, "Yeah, all those trucks that we confiscated, we're now going to auction them auction them off." Like, don't you have to be convicted of a crime in this country anymore to have your assets stolen? from from the government so you know because because the the freedom convoy does not exist in in ottawa currently at this moment <coughs> um and i've been asked several times by media about uh you know some earlier comments that maybe i made that i believe were taken right out of context um you know as a as a as a citizen now in my own home i from my perspective, I really honestly think that that the um, there needs to be an election today. I really think there needs to be an election. And, and I know um, Trudeau had alluded to the fact that, <coughs> sorry, if Parliament had failed in its bid to get the Emergencies Act uh, passed, it could potentially trigger a vote of non-confidence and maybe an election. Um, and then there you see, he, he again, Again, uh, through his his love and support from the NDP, uh, he has a, a as a quasi majority government. Let's just call it what it is. The NDP bailed him out again, and um, he got what he wanted. But the Senate still hasn't finished their vote. So hopefully, hopefully the Senate will strike this down, and maybe it does trigger an election. Um, I went there with the Freedom Convoy fully prepared to talk to the government of Canada and the elected government of Canada. But now that I'm home and this is being done to me, I'm seeing the Conservatives are fighting to stop this. And, and they were so disrespected, even from the uh, Speaker of the House yesterday, who cut uh, cut them off, like even cancelled their mic in the middle of uh, the, mm -hmm. the Conservative you're speaking. So from from my point of view, 
I would love nothing more than to see uh, a legitimate legal election in this country. And I know who I'm going to vote for. I know who I'm going to vote for. I voted for them in the last election. Um, not a single one of them got elected, which is amazing because every single person I know that is awake all voted for the PPC. Every single one of them. I, I'm, I'm not even part of that party at all, um, but they spoke to my values. And that's why I voted for them. The, the conservatives under uh, Aaron O'Toole just sounded like liberal lights. The NDP are basically liberals uh, currently under this leader. Um, and the liberals are the liberals. Like the liberals say one thing on Monday and on Tuesday, they're, they're acting in the opposite manner that they said they would on Monday. <clears throat> so from my point of view, um, you know, I, I, I will, I, I will vote. If there was an election today, I would vote for the PPC and that's just Tom. I'm not telling anyone what to do. You decide for yourself who speaks to your values. Forget about vote splitting. That's, that's like one person can't make a difference on vote splitting. Vote for who speaks to your values. That's all. It's simple. Um, my prediction is that Pierre Polyev is going to be the next prime minister of Canada. Um, I think he's a very good politician. He's great with the finances, but let's wait and see, honestly, what really happens with the conservatives. They've done nothing in the last two years to stop any of this stuff. Um, the other day I, I, I was so disgusted when all they wanted to do was talk about one LGBTQ, uh, federal MP and her feelings that got hurt while well, we had truckers up minus 20 sleeping in cars, trucks, vans. And they were debating in circles because the prime minister wouldn't apologize because someone's feelings got hurt. Yeah, this was the the Melissa Lanceman yeah, yeah, uh, standing yeah, with Swastika's yeah. episode, which yeah. again I, I still think is offside on the, the yeah. prime minister's part. But I I, I take your point there that uh, there there were other issues. I mean, it's politics is uh, sometimes uh, net. Uh, it's a zero sum game. You you know you talk yeah. at one talk about one thing and, and don't uh, about another at the yes. same time. But yeah. I want to bring it back to those truckers you mentioned, Tom, because yeah. when the trucker convoy started and that GoFundMe campaign started, the very first one and ended up just wildly, wildly outperforming anyone's expectations. It was originally, we're going to cover the cost of diesel and fuel to get these yeah. truckers to Toronto. And then, of course, the campaign grew, and that shifted mm -hmm. to all of a sudden having to fight legal challenges with GoFundMe, mm -hmm. and then the government tries to freeze the money with the gifts and go. And, and all mm -hmm. of this is basically at the point where not a single donated dollar to either GoFundMe or Gives and Go has made it to the truckers. The yes. donations that did make it to truckers were people bringing cash, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, truckers and some organizers digging into their personal savings. But yes. these truckers right now, a lot of them are going to be dealing with suspensions of their insurance, suspensions of their license, freezing of their account. What's being done to support these people now that that initial protest in Ottawa is dissipated and these challenges for a lot of people that I don't think anticipated these challenges are still being heaped upon them. Well, it's a, it's a, <laughs> if you find an answer, let me know too, because all of my accounts are frozen as, as we've talked about. Um, you know, I, before I had any involvement whatsoever, I also donated a hundred dollars to the uh, GoFundMe and I had no participation at all, no involvement in the convoy. And then then they froze the account. The Ottawa police chief went on and bragged about how they they went in and, and disrupted the uh, the supply of, of money to the truckers. Then my money was returned to me, 
but I didn't I didn't give to uh, give send go after that because we knew that that was going to happen again. Like it worked the first time, so there's no point the second time. But what we were doing is there was uh, various uh, organizations on the ground that were were literally collecting cash from people. I had this wonderful woman that I met in the street. She just happened to recognize me, handed me a ten dollar bill, and said, "Can you give this to a trucker?" Which I did. And and so right now, I, and I got a message this morning saying, "Listen, we have a whole bunch of trucks in this certain location. We're looking for money for fuel to get home because truck drivers have had their accounts frozen. What do I tell them?" I, like, I can't dip into my own account, right? And a lot of people, there was like, I think 200 people at least that were reported to get their accounts frozen. So so far. So far, so far, because the, the new chief, the new sheriff in town has uh, gone on there and bragged about the fact that they're going to follow up with video evidence and charges will be forthcoming and fines, right? Fine. Let's have some due process. Let's get into a courtroom and let's see what a, a judge says. Okay. And what's going to happen? What is going to happen if the Senate votes this down? Are they, they're just going to turn around and say, oh, well, oops. But the damage will have been done to people's lives. Right. So as far as what the, what can the truckers do, I, I don't really know. I'm getting a ton of support from, from just the international community. They're saying, how can I send you money? And I'm saying, you can't. You can't. The moment it comes into Canada, it will be frozen. So, you know, this is this is like banana republic kind of, of behavior. Like they can't get you on a legal mechanism. So they give themselves extraordinary powers that haven't been passed in, in through our legal mechanisms. You can punish people now without any due process. I don't know what to tell the truckers other than hopefully you can find people that will uh, donate some money, just enough for you to get home and then reevaluate. Because all the all yeah. the donations have been frozen. There's no access to that money. Well, and even, even True North, I mean, we are a donor-supported outlet. We rely yeah. on people that value our work to donate. We've had yeah. so many emails. I personally have had emails saying, I love what you did in Ottawa. I love your reporting. I'm scared to donate to you because yeah. I don't want to get my account frozen. Yeah. Now, again, I, I can tell people, listen, we're not we're not anticipating being caught up in that we're journalists but i mean given how the government's acted no one can make that guarantee now and that's the problem here there's a fear people yes. that would love to help a trucker out that don't want you know some street camera that catches them giving the trucker mm -hmm. a $20 bill at a gas station because they don't want their life yeah. thrown into the lurch and and that's why these measures cannot be separated from being intended to chill free speech and support for a yeah. lawful protest movement and i don't know how you combat that because you're right the state has all the force Yes, they do. And, and I've got I've got uh, I've been told that various family members of mine that are very upset that they currently share the same last name with me right now are terrified uh, just just through their, our, you know, association through the last name. Uh, no real substantial relationship at all, but we share the same last name. And they're terrified their accounts are going to be frozen just because they have the same last name. So. As we move forward here, let me just ask you, and I asked you this on Sunday at the press conference, but I, I want to ask you again, because the passage of a couple of days time might have given you a different answer or at least made you want to restate the initial one. But do you feel the convoy won or lost? Uh, I, I absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, feel that the convoy won. Um, 
we didn't go there and get the federal mandates, um, you know, struck down. That didn't happen. What we did do is we woke um, a sleeping bear, not just in, in, in Ontario or in Canada, but we woke up a lot of people in the world. And, and this movement inspired me to get involved, you know, as a volunteer. And then from there, it inspired movements all around Canada, all around the world. People have had enough of their governments that stopped serving them and, and started acting like kings and queens in, in, in their little kingdoms. And so from that point of view, did we get the, the mandates lifted? No, we didn't. Did we submit a plan that was palatable to the government that maybe might be palatable for the conservatives if they come into power to start using some of the plan that we created? So I'm hopeful long-term that there is, but what's most important, I think, is that people are starting to wake up. And what I'm hearing is people are taking their masks off. They're saying, what can, can I do? And I say, well, take that stupid mask off your face for starters. Don't wear it in public. I haven't worn a mask in, in public since last spring. I absolutely refuse because a virus is three microns and the masks are 60. So just find your moral courage and, and it's going to be uncomfortable for the first dozen times you go into a business without a mask, like it is for me. But at this point, there's no way I'm ever going to put a muzzle on my face and signal to other people in the store that I'm going to comply with tyranny. Because now we're dealing medical tyranny, we're dealing with financial tyranny, we're dealing with freedom tyranny. So there's tyranny on every level here. So do I think we we won? Um, I Maybe we lost a little bit of a battle, or let's say it was a draw. At the very least, it was a draw. But every time Justin Trudeau and his crony stepped up to a microphone, every time he opened his mouth, we got more support. Every time he hurt somebody, we got more support as, you know, the majority of Canadians. Every time he did something stupid, we won a little bit more ground back. And so one of, I, I, I'm, there's a ton of um, uh, chats on the site. I can't read them because they're so fast and I'm trying to look at the camera, but I read one. Oh yeah, I never looked though. I wish yeah, I could I, 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 I read one right in the beginning and, and somebody said, you know, um, you know that we were winning because they had to go to the Emergencies Act. It was one of the very first ones I read before I was on the camera. And, and, and that person's right. Um, we went from this fringe minority of misogynists and wrong thinkers very quickly to being um, the reason they justified the the Emergency Act or the War Measures Act. Let's not pretty it up. It's the War Measures Act. Well, and, and even with the trucks gone, the government <laughs> yeah. still insists that yeah. you are creating an emergency, which, I mean, any moral high yeah. ground that the government regained or thought it regained yes. when the protest lasted as long as it did has been completely obliterated, yes. even yeah. to a lot of people that were not for the convoy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, like it's, it's ironic, right? They're beating people in the streets and shooting journalists in the leg with, um, with projectiles, but it's for your safety, right? You can't make this crap up. Like it, it's, it's just ludicrous. Like it's a, it's a B movie of, of, of stupidity. Um, you know, I, it just stuns me um, anybody who supports this, cause I do get a lot of hate mail, right? I, I get threats now and stuff like that. And I'm, uh, which is fine. Uh, nobody knows where I live. I hope, 
Um, I just recently moved. So, so where I am is, <coughs> you know, not a big deal, but like I said this week, we're still going to fight for the freedoms of the people that actually hate us. And, and I hope someday they wake up to that and say, man, I was wrong. But like that guy that was sitting beside you on Sunday who was tweeting, uh, somebody sent me his stuff and he was a very, uh, uh, disturbed individual who was live tweeting my words. And I like, it's, it's hard to believe that there are people that are so bought into the narrative. Like I, I, I just wish people would stop watching mainstream media and start looking for an alternate truth. Um, you shouldn't be in an echo chamber. You should listen to both sides. But unfortunately in this world, um, the taxpayers are forced to pay for propaganda. And that propaganda comes right from the prime minister's office. And, and I wanna make this point really clear. Um, we're in a party system. So it means that in a party system, if you don't agree with your party leader, and we've seen it with, with uh, Doug Ford and Trudeau and the Conservatives. If you don't agree with your party leader, that party leader just removes you. They fire you from the party instantly. And so your constituents just get screwed because that person didn't like your opinion because they're the leader of the party. So it's important to understand that the NDP and the Liberals both voted really what their, their party leaders wanted. So two people, two people made a, a vote last night that screwed 38 million Canadians. Jagmeet and Singh were, and Justin were, Trudeau. Yeah. One, one liberal MP in particular who had been talking earlier in the day about how he thought the Emergencies Act was bad and he didn't like it and he thought it was an overreach, but I'm still going to vote for it. And he was a yes. liberal MP in uh, Toronto, Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, because the reason you just mentioned, yeah. he didn't want to vote against his own party's yeah. government. So we have this system. Yeah. The Conservatives, I think you made a completely valid criticism earlier about not being present on the battle lines of the yeah. COVID restrictions for the last two years. They've deposed that leader. They've replaced him with a leader who has been yeah. talking about the convoy and talking about these issues. So ideally, there will be some political opposition to this. But yeah. what would your message be about how to keep up the protest without the protest? Um, well, like I said, first and foremost, take off the mask. There's no, there's no scientific justification and I've read it and I've talked to the scientists. Uh, I've a very dear friend in the area uh, where I live who was an anesthesiologist who's no longer uh, working. Um, you know, and, and, and I know several doctors uh, that are no longer working and they're saying masks don't work. They never did. They should have never been put on. Um, so that's the first thing you can do. I also think put the pressure on the politicians. And I also agree with these organic grassroots protests that pop up all over the country and all over the world. And I think they should continue. However, what I also believe is um, you should never interrupt emergency services lanes. So don't do anything that's going to stop um, ambulances or fire or police from getting to, to helping citizens. That's just irresponsible of any protest. We worked really, really hard to make sure we never impacted any emergency services while we were in Ottawa. We worked very hard. But I think that, you know, there should never be one leader of, of this entire movement 
every Canadian citizen is a leader of this movement. You just have to get off your butt and go out to a protest. And, you know, people have been protesting for two years in Toronto and all these other places. And nobody listened. Nobody has yet to listen. Has there been a referendum in this country since the 95 when, when Quebec was did a referendum to leave? No, we haven't. So why don't they start asking the people what they actually want? Let the people choose their destiny for themselves on maybe a referendum. But no, they're too arrogant. They're too um, uh, uneducated, ill-equipped, and yet believe in their own self-importance that they they somehow were anointed to make decisions as opposed to representing people to make decisions. So I, I think the protest must continue. I think they must grow. Um, and I think people should take the masks off. I, I really do. Like, just start. That's that's something subtle that every person can do. It's uncomfortable. <coughs> I get anxiety when I do it, except for when I was in Ottawa. Um, <coughs> I, I, I just on that note, I have to say, um, the very because I was there at the very beginning, the very first weekend when the trucks rolled in, and the the first thing I noticed walking into my hotel on I think it was the Friday night of of that mm-hmm. first uh, convoy arrival was that the mask mandate in Ottawa had just died. It, it yes. was just yes. gone. And there was yeah. at the time there was this front desk woman at the hotel that was like trying to hand people masks. And I think yeah. within about two hours, she just gave up. And by the end of it, yeah. I even saw one of the staff members at the hotel, the same hotel that I was at this weekend yeah. as well, not wearing yeah. their mask. So uh, you, yeah. you are right. And, and the mask is, is fascinating because it's in some ways one of the least intrusive restrictions. Yes. But in a lot of ways, it's one of the worst because of the symbol mm-hmm. of it, that, that even something symbol. as simple as showing your face in public is yeah. illegal. Yes. And, 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 and my spouse has um, got a, a, a psychology background. And so she reads a lot of scientific uh, papers right now. Um, and she's saying, like, right from the beginning, sci- psychologists from around the world were talking about the long-term damage that we were going to do to our children in their developmental years. Wearing a mask actually reduces a, a, a developing mind's ability to, to learn and express empathy. Right. So this is the kind of stuff we're doing to our children. And I was I was ecstatic when I saw that um, that school, I think, out in Alberta, all the students took off their masks and said, we've had enough. That was one of the happiest days of, of the entire time for me or moments in um, uh, while I was in Ottawa, seeing those students say, we're not going to let you tell us what to do anymore. We're not wearing the mask. And if you want to suspend the entire school, be my guest. We don't care. But that was a big, big moment. And that was our children doing it, not the adults. The children took the lead on that, yeah. not the adults. And, that and to, was go back to, your fringe, to go back to your fringe minority <laughs> point, well, Justin Trudeau's fringe minority point, but the point yeah. you made about it that was far more accurate, people are less likely to take a stand when they feel they're alone. And the yes. one thing over the last month I feel has changed dramatically is a lot of Canadians that may be fed up as well, that are not all politically conservative, this is not a left-right thing, yep. are looking around and saying, wow, there are other people like me. And yes. there was some group of activists that published a Google map <laughs> with the addresses of all the give, yeah. send, go donors using yeah. the leaked data. And yeah. while I think that's horrible and doxing, yeah. 
I yeah. zoomed in on it and I'm like, oh, wow, I've got some cool neighbors yeah. <laughs> because it, it works yeah. against it because you yeah. realize in something like that, like you're, you're not alone. Yeah. And I'm not going to yeah. share it because I don't want to yeah. endorse that sort yeah. of behavior, but it can yeah. work against these people's stated purpose yeah. when you realize, wow, there are others like me. So yeah. I, I'm glad you were able to, uh, even if you started just as a supporter and ended up being in a yeah. position to speak for some parts of the convoy, I'm, I'm glad you did on yeah. the weekend and I'm glad you've done so today, Tom Marazzo. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Yep. Thank you for having me and, and take off your masks and don't be afraid. All right. Well, that's the uh, enduring message of the convoy. Don't be afraid. My thanks again to Tom Marazzo here. This is the Andrew Lawton Show. I'm going to take just a couple of moments here because I want to read a couple of your comments and offer some closing thoughts of my own here because the convoy has been a pivotal moment, not just in Canadian media and in Canadian politics, I would say in Canadian history as well. And what it is going to bring in the course of debating this in the next few days, I, I don't know. But what I do know is that it's not going away. And even if the trucks are going away, the fact that Justin Trudeau still calls this an emergency, a state of emergency, with the effective suspension of your civil liberties tells us why people were protesting in the first place. And it shows that the protest has itself morphed. I have uh, two messages here that are very similar, uh, super chats on YouTube from Steve, who says the Senate needs to stop this. And if they don't, the courts do. Allison, who writes, call or email the Senate members, vote maybe tomorrow. No masks, please. Love your reporting, Andrew. Great guest pick. Well, uh, thank you very much for that, Allison and Steve. Yeah, this is in the Senate now. So senators are people that are interesting. Well, in many cases, they aren't interesting, but the role is interesting here. And what I mean by that is that for senators, they don't have constituents. They aren't elected. They don't have democratic accountability in the way that members of parliament do. So I don't know if many of them are used to hearing from constituents, but you can make your voice heard. Senators are by province. They're not by riding. So you can look, and if you're in Alberta, you can call up your Alberta senators. You can call up your Ontario senators. You can call up your Nova Scotia senators. And you can say, hey, are you going to vote no on this? Are you going to vote yes on this? And even though most of the senators are liberal loyal and Trudeau appointed, there is still a hope that some independents could prevail. And if not, as Steve says, it falls on the courts. And while I have a great deal of pessimism about the state of the judiciary in Canada, this is quite a significant battle. If you've got a state of emergency that was declared to stop blockades, and you look in Ottawa, there is no blockade except for the one that police have set up. How on earth can you say that this is justifiable? This measure that was not necessary after 9-11 that was not necessary during the Oka crisis, that was not necessary at any other point in the pandemic, but is now still necessary, not just to deal with truckers, but to deal with the absence of truckers, because the government wants the power to continue going after their money. The government wants the power to continue going after individual people's bank accounts, like Tom, like Tom's wife. His ex-wife, who had nothing to do with the convoy, as you heard him say, even got a warning letter from her financial institution, as if to say, we're watching you. That's what it is. It was like that when that woman got a visit from the OPP a week before she went to Ottawa to support the convoy. It's them saying, we're not, we're not charging you. We're not doing anything. We're just warning you. We're letting you know that we know who you are. We know that you're up to, and we think you might be thinking some dirty thoughts. Those dirty thoughts are, I support freedom. As I said on Twitter in one of my most viral tweets ever, freedom isn't fringe and it shouldn't be treated as such. 
So I mentioned in an email that we sent to True North supporters the other day, the convoy may be over, at least in this one particular sense, but the convoy movement has been birthed from the convoy itself. And I don't think that part of the convoy is over. I also, by extension, can say that our coverage is not over. There are going to be legal challenges. There are going to be political debates about this. There may be other spin-off protests that arise. So we're going to keep on this. I'm personally going to keep on this. I was in Ottawa. Like, if, I, I should have gotten the picture up. If you uh, I want to see it, you can go on my Twitter. I got uh, pepper sprayed, and I took one for the team there. And I'm happy I did. Not because I'm happy I got pepper sprayed, but I'm happy I was on the ground dealing with this and covering this. So we're going to end things there. My lights have been flickering. I don't know if you couldn't see. So I'm worried the internet's going to go out and then we'll all think the big tech is censoring. So I'm going to go out on my terms now because we're near the end of the show anyway. But truly, if you can support True North's coverage, head on over to donate.tnc.news, donate.tnc.news, and you can contribute that way. I thank you so very much to all of you who sent kind messages after I was pepper sprayed or in general, the people who came up to me on the streets in Ottawa and said, hey, Andrew, I love your work. I love True North. Thank you to all of you. And I've got some first-time viewers, people that weren't familiar with True North that saw me covering it and said, where are you at? I want to look up your stuff. So to all of you, thank you. We will talk to you in a couple days' time with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show on True North. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.